Come on. Everybody in your pew. Take your seats. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's see what's going on here. Yep. There we go. Good morning. We're not going to have the usual intro today. Welcome to the Road to Concord. I will be your host slash professor, uh, Joe Bakanovic. We do not have Charlie. Charlie has entered the singularity. What does that mean? Well, he blended himself with his computer and he became an avatar. He's now AI, just like uh, Natasha is. Our real AI, Natasha, she couldn't be here. She's actually helping her father get over knee replacement surgery. But Charlie is with us in the background pretending to be Natasha. That could be very uncomfortable for some of you who have gotten friendly with our AI. Bloop. Yeah, bloop. <laughs> Squarship Wednesday. Before we get going, we had a, uh, <clears throat> a little bit of a rough time in our, our county here yesterday. We, uh, a couple of years ago, we had Michael. You know, now we've got tornadoes. And they, they say that we had a possibility of four tornadoes that have touched down in, in Bay County, Florida. Possibility. What the heck did that? Because that is the marina building um, on the beach on the corner of Thomas Drive and uh, Front Beach Road, 98. Um, it's gone. It's toast. And then that poor house right there was destroyed during Hurricane Michael, the gray one in the middle. Well, this is yesterday's picture. This is a picture from yesterday, folks. And apparently... We have to wonder whether or not that was just strong winds or a tornado. No, no, no. It was a tornado. People saw them. And then this is not too far away from this house here. And this are just a couple blocks away. And the marine is just down the road. So Panama City Beach, Florida got ripped up. But so did certain other parts of our area. Just north of us, the county north of us, Mariana, got hit pretty hard. Um, the tornado was bad enough that the debris field was being picked up on the radar at the local uh, TV station. The local Doppler radar was picking up the debris field and they were literally watching it expand live on air. Um, when a tornado is big enough to start picking the debris up and the radar picks it up, you got yourself an F3 or better on your hands. You got a pretty good one. I looked into this and um, we had one went right down. It made the National Weather Service. And it was on um, on our local TV station. They were saying, you know, you got one on our street. They called out our street. And it apparently went right through our backyard, uh, BB and I, where we live. I don't think it was very big at that point. But when I went outside and we started really examining the damage, I've got some some bushes. They, they, they I don't know what they are, but they breed little red berries in the fall and the starlings eat them. But I had some of them about two and three inches in diameter that had been twisted and broken off at the base of the, of the bushes. So that's not just 80 mile an hour winds. We had things that survived Michael 135 mile an hour sustained winds. Cause where we were during Michael, we were on the outer edge of the Western eye wall and it went right down the highway near our house. So we were in the eye wall and we had 135 mile an hour sustained winds for about an hour and we had structures at our house that survived that but they got picked up and destroyed yesterday so whatever it was that came through our backyard just missed the house by 30 yards maybe at the most uh more than likely a small twister you know just starting to be a big one and that's probably the one that went up to mariana and hit the town just north of us mariana it's not all that far away that's probably the the tornado was getting 
you know, just starting at that point. But we, we had some fun in Bay County. And for a while, I didn't think that we were going to have a show today. But um, we do have, um, we do have internet problems still at my house. So I didn't get a chance to really do a show prep for you today. Um, and then we've got a lot of moving parts going on around the world here for us on our, our end. So we're being lucky to be here today. I, I'm here because it's Worship Wednesday, man. That one's got to go on, if at all possible. But I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk to you about today. Um, I do have one thing I want to talk to you about. A lot of you come here primarily for the fact that I connect what we discuss to the scriptures. I hear your feedback. I get your emails. We see your comments. We get your text messages and your messages on Facebook. We know that that seems to be one of the biggest draws for our audience is that um, I'm teaching with a biblical worldview. Yesterday, while I'm cleaning up the backyard, and boy, this is going to be an uncomfortable discussion for me. This next piece is, is for me, it's uncomfortable. But then it, I'm going to use it as an intro to where I hope us hope to go with our discussion at least this first hour. I'm cleaning up and I'm thinking to myself, uh, I, I got Worship Wednesday. I've got to get ready to put on a show for those people who want to, you know, want to watch and hear what I have to say. And I'm like, why do you, why does anybody want to hear what I have to say? And I'm sitting here thinking, I am the absolute worst spokesperson for Yahweh that he could have possibly chosen. And I know everybody's like, yeah, well, we, we all got dirty rags. Yeah, but I know what mine are. And I, I know the scriptures and I know that I'm willfully disobedient in a lot of cases. Uh, case in point, um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about anybody. I mean, if you've got medical reasons for this, that's, that's a whole different story from what I'm about to say. But I, I make a joke about, you know, Get in shape. Well, rounds of shape and I'm in it. I, I'm, I'm overweight by at least 40 pounds because I will not leave the sweets alone. Well, that's gluttony. So we make a joke about donuts. Charlie brings a half dozen donuts in here. He only buys two for himself. He leaves four for the glutton here. And I eat them over the course of the two-hour show. Why don't I just eat one and leave it alone? I, I, I don't understand why... Why? I know better. I, I know that when you do things to an excess like that, that becomes sin, especially since I see it as a sin. What Paul say? If it's sin to you, it is sin. But there are other things in my life that I know are sins, and I still do them. And it is very likely that I am not going to make it into the kingdom. And I know this because I wonder sometimes you've been told by the Holy Spirit, this is Yahweh's law. This is his teaching. This is his word. This is right. This is wrong, Joe. The Holy Spirit's revealed the capital T truth to you, and you still rebel. I wonder if that is the sin unto death that we're told about in the scriptures. There is sin unto death, and you're not even supposed to pray for a believer who's sinning unto death. So I'm more than likely in that category. So I'm sitting here thinking, you're, you're not supposed to receive me as a brother and sister. You shouldn't be listening to me. I shouldn't be teaching. But yet I do. Because if I don't, he has made that plainly clear to me. Took my health one time. Took my financial stability one time. The only thing left is my life. 
I'm not going to try that. Got a come. Whoop. Where to go? Comment on the board by Colonel Brett. It said, "Do you think you were chosen by God to speak on His behalf, or did you just decide to start doing it yourself?" I don't want to do it, Colonel Brett. I don't want to do this. I fear every time I open my mouth in this chair because I believe I'm heaping coals down upon my own head for my hypocrisy. I know he wants me to talk. I know what it means to be consumed inside as a burning fire if I stay silent. I've felt that. There have been times where he won't let me sleep until I say what's been put in my mouth. I'm not a prophet. Don't get me wrong. Prophets speak, thus saith Yahweh. Uh, You've never heard that out of my mouth unless I was reading the scriptures. I don't speak for Yahweh. I know better than that. But I know what his word says. And apparently he has given me a little better understanding of it than the average believer. And he's put this impetus in me that I must share the understanding he's given me. And I'm thinking about this while I'm cleaning my yard last yesterday afternoon. It's close to the end of the day. And if you've been given this greater understanding, this is why teachers are held doubly accountable. I don't, the sergeant in me, the Marine sergeant in me suddenly understood. My job when I was in the Marine Corps is to make sure that the mission got finished, got accomplished, mission first, but then save as many of my Marines' lives in the process as I can. My life was inconsequential. If I survived the battle or the mission, that was just a little icing on the cake. My job was to make sure I preserved my unit and got the mission done at the same time. So if I can help lead other believers to the obedience that they should be following, unlike myself, help encourage you not to be the hypocrite that I am, then I guess I'm doing his will. And that sometimes that weighs on me with a weight that I don't know how to explain to you. Because there have been many times I wish I could quit doing this. I've begged him. I don't want to do it. I know what I'm doing, and I know the cost I'm going to pay for it. It's bad enough already. And, yeah, I know it's encouragement to quit, Joe. I got it. I got that. I got that. But there are certain addictions in this world. You know, only 2% of the addicts whip their addiction. Say, well, the Holy Spirit will help you with that. Yes, the Holy Spirit will. And your will can override the Holy Spirit's. And that scares me all the time because I keep thinking, well, I'm insisting on sin. Must not love Yahweh as much as I think I do. I'm talking about something darker, Colonel Bread. We're not talking about donuts. When I tell people that I was a Marine's Marine the last few years of my time in the Marine Corps, I was. You fill in the blanks for yourself. I have not yet been able to kill that Marine in me. I try. I haven't totally gotten rid of that sucker. I don't know that I ever will. But I also know this. I'm not alone in my struggles. I don't know what yours are, but I know that the tighter you try to cling to the father and the son, the harder Satan is going to come at you. 
and the harder your battle is going to get. He does not, Satan, the devil, does not fight those who are traveling in his direction. He doesn't have to. He's already got you. And it got me to thinking, and I do a lot of that. If you're a longtime listener, you know I do this. Why me? Because I did something, said something, made a promise to Yahweh, and I meant it. Send me. Here I am. Imperfect as I am, I'll do it. Show me what you want done, I'll do it. Even if I don't make it into the kingdom, I'll still do it. And I know me, I know Joe well enough to know that if I end up in hell because of my choices and my insubordination, that's my fault, not Yahweh's. I'll never curse him. I know myself well enough to know that I know people say this will never happen. I'd be praising him from hell because he was not the one that put me there. I did that. I chose that because I would not bend my knee all the way to the ground and keep that thing driven into the ground. That'll be on Joe. So it got me to thinking I don't want to be like the majority of these online teachers and preachers that I see all the time. I get lots of videos sent to me and I watch some of them, the ones I feel led to watch. And most of the time they break my heart. What I see is somebody who is half the time pushing their own agenda. They may be sincere in their own heart, but they're pushing an agenda that has nothing to do with Yahweh's kingdom. How do you know, Joe? Because they never talk about Yahweh or his scriptures or his son or his spirit. Or they're telling me what I have to believe without ever holding it up against scripture. And the other time I see people who are on fire for Yahweh, on fire for the Lord, but they're teaching improper understandings of Scripture. Well, how do you know yours is right, Joe? Have you ever been around me? I can start pegging. Open a chapter up on the Bible and give me a passage and let me watch. I'll connect it from Genesis to Revelation. It's not Joe. I've struggled with that many, many times. Is this just me in love with my own understanding of Scripture? I read the Bible a couple of times or tried to read it when I was younger, and it never made a lot of sense to me. So I had to go with what I was told by people who did the same thing. It wasn't until I told Yahweh, okay, well, if you need a teacher, I'll teach. Send me. And then he started to open my eyes to his word because he needed me to understand it to do the job that I volunteered to do. It's not my understanding. He's, he's shown it to me. I make leaps of understanding and leaps and connections in the scripture that I, I literally, I'll make them at the time. And the part of me that I recognize as me in my head goes, where the heck did that come from? And I marvel at it because I don't know where it came from. Well, I've gotten along, I've, I've been doing this long enough to know that it wasn't me. He did that. Him and his spirit. So when I see these teachers who have not taught their scriptures properly to their sheep, I'm like, have you not enough fear of the Lord to shut your mouth? 
And I wondered to myself, and I look at the person in the mirror, and I said, do you have enough fear of the Lord to shut your mouth? And I'm like, I wish I could. I wish I could. If I try, I'm in trouble. He'll kill me this time. I have no doubt. None. Sometimes I look back on my life, and I'm like, what a waste. I'm one of his most gifted creations. And because I am lazy and self-centered and selfish, I have wasted my talents for the majority of my 57 years. Luckily, he made me such that when I finally did bend my knee in my older ages, and I know some of you are a lot older than me, but you understand what I'm saying. He was able to bring me up to speed real fast um, because of the way he made me. But I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, I'm already slowing down because I am older. My brain don't work as well as it did when I was young. What would I have been able to accomplish for him had I done this when I was younger? God, what a waste I have been in this world. And to the extent that I have employed the talents he's given me, I did it for the wrong things, the wrong reasons. So I really don't understand why he still has anything to do with me. I don't. But that's just the intro so that hopefully you understand that I know that when you do this, these three are pointing back at me. I got that. I understand. I got it. And I agree. But that's the setup for where we're over, where we're about to go today. I grabbed a few memes off the internet to help me with what I'm going to talk about. And we'll get them up in just a second, but um, tell you a story real quick. The last traditional church I was in, Southern Baptist, and that's where I started to teach. And they gave me these Lifeway books to teach my class. And I'm like, these things are garbage. I went to the pastor and I said, I don't want to teach out of these. They're shallow. This is meant for milk drinkers. I don't have milk drinkers in my class. I said, and he goes, well, what do you want to teach out of? I said, the Bible. What? Yeah, the Bible. I'll make my own lessons. Well, at first he wasn't sure he trusted me to do this. And we had a discussion and he said, okay, fine. And he agreed. The church paid for NASB, you know, New American Standard Bible um, study Bibles for our class. So everybody got one. Church's expense. That was going to be our textbooks. And that was, it's because that was the translation that this congregation was using in this Baptist church. And we started teaching out of the Bible and came to be over time, a couple course of a couple of years that our class drifted farther and farther and farther away from the, the church and our understanding of the scriptures. Why? Because we were doing, we, we were committing a heresy. We were teaching out of the Bible, not the doctrines of the Southern Baptist church. And eventually it came to have trouble with, with the pastor and we were pretty much invited to leave, or at least I was. And majority of that class followed along with me so that we could keep studying together. Come a year or two later, I went back to that pastor and I, I asked for a meeting with him and he, he agreed. And I asked him specifically, where? Show me. In the scriptures, does it say the Sabbath was moved to Sunday? 
he got all serious and he looked at me and he goes, you know, it's not in there, Joe, because he knew I was reading the Bible regularly now. I said, I know. I said, so if you follow the Lord, if your love is for Yahweh, I said, why haven't you taught this to your congregation? And he says, because I will lose my ministry. Lose my ministry? I didn't say anything to him, but that rang in my head. And I started wondering the essence of this right here. Take money out of preaching and we will see who is called. Now, when I first saw that meme, I, there are two Facebook groups I'm on, Torah for Today and The Narrow Way or, or The Narrow Path or whatever. That's where this one came from. And I got to thinking, well, okay, that's me. That's Charlie. That's Natasha. We're not making money here. Not a penny. In fact, it cost me money to keep this up, thing up and running until just recently. And now it's, it's still costing a little bit, but it's, it's, it's a couple of dollars a month that I can afford. I'm not crowing here. Don't get me wrong. No, 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 no. The, the way I'm made, I can look at this and know that this applies to me. I'm doing what I'm doing because I love him. And at the same time, saying so makes me a hypocrite. I know that. I, I can, if you know me, you know I can do both at once. I can speak the truth and recognize that I'm, I got no business speaking that truth. Got it. That was the purpose of the lead up today, folks. Do you understand now? To let you know very well and clearly detailed that I shouldn't be talking. And yet nobody else is going to do it. So before I hand this over to the women, not because women can't do it, but because that's a curse of men. Before I hand this over to a female, I will be an imperfect male that does the job of the male in the body. It, it's just obedience. It's what obedience I can do. But I got to thinking about this. If we took the money out of preaching, I wonder how many preachers would still be there. The, the last church I was at, the last traditional church I was at, the pastor knows it should be on Sunday. I mean, on Saturday, rather, not Sunday. And he won't even address it because of the money. It's all about the money, money, money. And I got to thinking, if you know better and you confess that you know better and you won't do anything about it. And it just dawned on me right now. And I mean, literally right now that the struggles I have knowing better and the sins I still wrestle with are no different than this pastor. And I'd never thought about that until just now. His is different in the different flavor, but his disobedience is equal in the eyes of the Lord as mine. He told me he knew better, but he will not teach his flock that the Sabbath is seventh day, not the first. How is that? It may be a different flavor, but how is that any different? You mean, you mean the sixth day, right? Sabbath is the seventh day. Oh, oh well, seven, yeah. Never mind. My 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 AI is messing up. <laughs> I kind of needed that. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> then I got to thinking about. Um, let's see. Let's see if we can get that to go back up. About this one. 
a church that will not confront sin will eventually end up conforming to sin. Well, that's his congregation. They're conforming to sin. Joe, it's not a sin to worship on Sunday. No, it's not a sin to worship on Sunday. It's a sin to say you can move the Sabbath. The Sabbath was established long before the law of Moses. And Yahweh says it's his Sabbath and remains his Sabbath for all time, even into the millennial reign. He didn't move it. I am Yahweh. I do not change. But it's not just Sabbath. I know churches that condone abortion. That's murder. That's also Moloch worship, which makes it idolatry. I know churches that have condoned the hookup culture or living together before you get married. The Messiah says that's adultery, fornication. I know churches that don't confront hypocrisy within their believers, within their body. I know churches that fleece their flock. If you're not donating your 10%, you're going to hell. Well, very good. I'll donate my 10% to the temple. That's not your building. And that's not you, pastor. The temple is the body of believers now. So I'll give my money directly to those believers who are struggling to make ends meet. Why do I have to give it to you, pastor? And I know churches that it's all about the money, money, money. I know churches that are condoning the gay and homeless. There are gay female, quote-unquote, pastors in these supposed churches. Folks, Sodom and Gomorrah, ringing any bells? If you're going to accept it, condone it so that you don't lose your ministry. Well, then let me just say it. Shut up and go find something else to do. Quit invoking the name of Yahweh and his Messiah. Go join Islam. That's the religion about fleecing people and making money off of theft. Go become a good Muslim. And I mean it. Leave the body that calls itself by the Messiah's name. Because you're not of it any more than I think sometimes that I might be. Hence the setup to today's class. Remember, I told you. I know what I'm saying. I'm not going to keep repeating that. If you missed it, go back to the first part of the show. That's why I did it, so that you know that I know I'm guilty. I'm not being a hypocrite when I accuse others of, of being hypocrites. I'm telling you, you're just like me. You get over here on this side of the line with me where you belong. Quit holding yourself out as holier than now and self-righteous when you're worse than I am. And I know how bad I am. This is not, if you care about God's people, you don't do this. You don't do this. I've seen this online and this breaks my heart. Christians in Facebook comment section. Somebody makes a comment, another Christian has to bash them, and then you got a bunch of Christians sitting there eating the popcorn, drinking the soda, and watching the games. I have seen the commandment, peace in the body, 
not this, but unity. Do not divide. I know that Yahweh, Yeshua, his son, says that there's a hierarchy in Yahweh's laws. When I was in the church, I was taught the slightest sin is just as bad as the the worst sin. Yes, as far as bringing death, yes. But as far as righteousness, not according to the Messiah, the Messiah says there are some things greater than others. Where is the love of the body when the world sees us doing this? Had a brother who's really into music, and he wants to make everybody feel good through his music. And I suggested a song from Casting Crowns. This basically says, if we are the body, why are we staying in our church instead of reaching out and helping other people and actually going to do the work of the Father and the Son? He didn't want to sing that song that made people reflect on things that didn't make them feel good. He'd rather just sing one of these 7-11 songs, seven words said 11 times, you know, whatever. If there's no message in it, why are you singing it? Because that's just babble on the street corner like the pagans do. You know, there's a scripture about that too, straight from the Messiah's lips. The, The secular humanist, Bernard Shaw, said that he likes his our Christ. It's our Christians, your your Christians he can't stand. And lately, this right here, for the majority of believers, at least on Facebook, this is what the world's seen. I understand that sometimes you have to correct another believer. That's what the private message is for. I understand that sometimes you have to do it publicly. We were told to do that with patience and grace because we know, or we're supposed to know, that that finger pointing at that other believer, that there's three more pointing back at us. Much has been forgiven of us already. Why the heck are we going to beat up on a brother or sister without keeping that in mind? And yet we don't. And we feel real good about being the boy here in yellow that's going to whoop up on the Christian in green who said something that doesn't agree with our traditions of men. And you know where I see most of this come from? The person in green, the boy in green in this picture, speaks the scriptures. The one in yellow speaks the doctrine of their denomination. And the one in blue over there, That's everybody else that just doesn't want to get involved because they don't want to throw the punch, but they don't want to get beat up either by speaking up or asking a question. Hmm. The teacher in me sees this, and it breaks my heart, but I don't blame those three boys. I'm like, where in the was your teacher? Show me that fool. He and I got to talk. I know how imperfect I am, but I don't teach this to the people who study with me. I teach them if it is not a clear violation of clear sound doctrine, do not divide the body over different levels of understanding of Yahweh's word. One may be above you. The other may not be where you are at yet, 
and we are given different levels of understanding so that Yahweh may grow us. And who are we to demand that that other believer come down to where we're at or up to where we're at at a different pace than what Yahweh's spirit is leading them? I don't get it. And I wonder, you know, the boys in this picture, the one in the blue, the one in the yellow, and the one in the green, how much of what they're doing here is because they were not encouraged to read their scriptures and taught properly by their teachers? And how much because their parents were not watching over? That's one of the biggest problems. We as parents, we expect teachers to do our jobs. Brings me to this meme. With discernment comes division. A person who seeks to be discerning must be willing to suffer the effects of the division. It will divide not only believer from unbeliever, but it may even divide a discerning believer from one who is undiscerning. It will separate the mature from the immature, the naive from the prudent. And I think Yeshua said, I have come to separate father and son, mother and daughter set fire to the world. If you are going to follow the Messiah, there will be a cost. And he told you before you follow me, count it up and make sure you're willing to pay the cost. Now, as bad as I am and as filthy as I am and as sure as I am that I'm going to have trouble on judgment day, I did that. I counted the cost. Okay, let's go. I know I'm not doing right, but I'm still going to go the best I can. Because like all Marines, good Marines, we follow orders, sort of, kind of. You know, Desert Storm, we were told, turn in all, you know, after the war was over, turn in all your ammunition. We didn't. We were in these little, what they called Aramico cities. They were little walled cities that separate the foreigners from the good Muslims. And the good Muslims were coming down those streets and shooting up the army and the air force and the Navy people in the Aramico buildings. They came to one where the Marines were, we fired back. Why? Because we disobeyed an order and we had ammunition. Now I'm not telling you, you disobey Yahweh because you know better than him. That's not the point. That is not the point. The illustration here is disobeyed an order. We got in trouble for shooting back. See, the thing is, Marines don't always follow all of our orders, but we do get the mission done. And we know that if you do disobey the orders, you've got to pay the price for it when you get caught. If you're a good Marine, you just suck it up, buttercup. You disobey the order. Take your punishment. So I will. And I, I understand that. That was the whole point of the intro. I'm willing to take my punishment. That does not mean that I'm not on mission. That's the point of my example. I was on mission, even though I disobeyed a order from here and time to time. I did stay on mission. Mission of a believer is to do the Father's work. I do it as best I can, as flawed as I am. Now, discerning, this little meme here that I snagged off the internet. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. That's not a believer's discernment. A believer's discernment is knowing the difference between right and 
almost right. Remember, in the garden, is it written? Was Satan's question. Yeshua says, it is written. And Satan comes along and says, is it written? Does it really say that? Maybe it says something else. Maybe you interpreted it wrong. That's discernment between correct and almost correct. Because almost correct is still missing the mark. And what is missing the mark? It's literally the definition of sin. Literally. God warns us that bad company corrupts good morals. This includes the TV shows and movies we watch, the books we read, the people we follow on social media. We're commanded to dwell on the true, honest, just, pure, and lovely. This includes what we are entertained by, too. That one hits home for me. I spend way too much time on this stupid thing, on my phone. And that gets to things that I shouldn't be doing. I end up in fights with people I shouldn't be ending up in fights with, still, mostly political. I've learned enough to... When I do offer comments on believers' sites, I've gotten better at how I post those. But if I'm in a supposed, you know, so-called secular free-for-all with politics, I'm not a very good witness for father there or the son. I, I don't know that people could def- pull me out from anybody else that's in the worldly world. I don't sound just like them. I should stay off of that, but why don't I? Because I'm stupid. That, that's the excuse. Why'd you do that, private private stupid, sir? And if you say that just because you're trying to get out of trouble, it doesn't work in the Marine Corps. When you mean it, it at least takes the, takes the roll out of whoever's yelling at you, slows them down a little bit because they realize that, you know, you just confessed your sin in the Marine Corps, private stupid. I tell the father, yeah, I'm still on mission, but I screwed up, father. I'm sorry. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. And you apologize without meaning it. That doesn't work too well. But why? Why don't I just not go there? Excuse me. Why don't I just quit? Why? Why? Well, I've gotten better at it with certain things. TV? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I quit watching the NFL a long time ago, even though I loved football. I'm going to probably quit watching college football pretty soon, too, because they're going to do to it what they did to the NFL. That's what all this conference juggling around and portals and letting kids make money off their likeness. That's what this is all about. There was a story in the news this last week. The 100 top television broadcasts in this country this year were all NFL shows. So it's all about the money, money, money. So we'll do the same thing with college, in which case it's no longer worth watching to me. So I won't be watching that. They've destroyed NASCAR. They've destroyed hockey. I don't need the sports. I don't need them. I'll turn them off. Now, let's see if I can turn off this political crap as well. That's proving harder for me. 
I love these things. I like them, but I have, there's one of my darker battles. I have got to find a way to separate myself from the world. That that's, that's one of the darker ones that I cannot seem to win. Bring brought me to this one. I, I don't, let me blow it up. I don't particularly like this meme because there are people running around calling themselves prophets today. Yeshua was the capstone of the prophets. The, the age of prophecy has been closed where it comes to the way most of us think of prophets. I know that your sons and daughters will prophesy. I got that. I understand that. The true role of a prophet was to call people back to the Torah, back to repent. That's the role of a prophet. And in that sense, we still have prophets today, a few of them. But in the idea of telling the future and all this stuff, speaking for Yahweh, oh, be careful with that. But these 11 things that they listed here, I, I want to frame them and preface them first for you. This should be true of every believer. Every believer who's trying to walk the walk. So it's the marks of a true prophet. Let me change it. The mark of a true believer, a true disciple, not liked or loved by everyone. That's not just a prophet. That should be every disciple. Seasons of intense warfare. That shouldn't just be prophets. That should be every disciple. Betrayed by everyone. Again, that should be every disciple. Have gone through horrific rejection. Target of gossip and slander. Misunderstood. Outcast. Socially awkward. Likes being isolated. Have dealt with major depression due to always picking up feelings and things in the atmosphere. You should be spiritually awake. Target of witches and witchcraft attacks. It says, if you know a prophet, I say if you know a disciple, respect them, honor them, encourage them, pray for them. The warfare they endure is most of the time unbearable. It's hard for them to be around big crowds and be with friends with many, be friends with many people. They are not well liked by many, oftentimes hated. Yes, but that should be true of every disciple. Because if it isn't, then you're friends with the world, not the Father. That one hit home with me. I saved it. Didn't know when I was going to use it until today. Now this one, hmm. Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain. I've told you before, great, great second cousin of ours through my father's side of the family. It says the best cure for Christianity is reading the Bible. And the comment at the top made by the person who put this quote up there says, Christianity teaches that the Torah was done away with. But Yeshua taught that if we love him, we keep the Torah. This is John 14, 15. Actually, he says it over and over and over again. I didn't know that until I did what? Started actually reading the scriptures, not the Lifeway books. Started reading the scriptures, not letting my teacher tell me what it, you know, my preacher tell me what to believe. I started reading the scriptures. Found out that scripture usually says something entirely different than the denomination of the church I'm in. Why? Why? 
You answer that for yourself. I'm not going to give you an answer because I don't know what the answer is for that particular church or that particular denomination or that church within that denomination. I don't know. Why? Why do you teach contrary to the word of Yahweh? I don't know. Why did the Pharisees do it? They were the leaders of the Jewish congregation at the time. What did Yeshua tell them? Sons of Satan, condemned, you're going to hell. Not all of them, but in general. That's exactly what he told them. He called them a brood of vipers, whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tombs, dead inside, decaying and rotten inside, but all pretty on the outside. Well, at least I'm ugly on the outside too. People that know me are not going to fall for me. I'm not sure, but that may actually be a blessing. I don't know. I won't know this side of eternity. I'm sure of that. I don't believe old great, great second cuz here was a believer. Not what I know of his life. But he and George Bernard Shaw had it figured out. I like your Christ. I hate your Christians. I don't particularly care for your Christianity, but reading that Bible will tell me what it you know, was all about. Thomas Jefferson once said that if the whole world were to reject Christianity but accept the teachings of the Messiah, he was convinced that by now the whole world would have become a follower of the Messiah. I paraphrased it, but I can find that quote for you. Got it saved. Thomas Jefferson, you know, the one who rejected the deity of the Messiah, the deist? Yeah. Same man who said that he is a disciple of Christ in the only way he thought Christ wanted him to be, that he accepted Christ's teachings and tried to live them. As Christ said them and taught them, not as our pastors do. How do you know if your pastor's teaching you correctly if you're not reading your Bible for yourself? Or at least going home and looking it up and testing what your pastor told you? It's not like you're commanded to test everything against the Scripture. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, you are. You've heard it, I hope. If you've listened to me any length of time, you've heard it more than once. Because I don't want you listening to Joe. I've already told you how messed up Joe is. I'm many things, many things I shouldn't be, but one thing I'm good at, I say what I mean, I mean what I say. If you know me personally, you've got no doubt about that one in your mind. When I tell you not to trust me, to check it for yourself, I absolutely mean it. Brings me to this meme. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, 8-9. through 9. Why is John writing that? The law has been done away with. There can be no sin. Where there is no law, there's no sin. John told us that in Rome. I mean, Paul tells us in Romans 1. Law's been done away. Law died. It was nailed to the cross. There's no law, so there's no condemnation because there's no sin, right? What the heck's John talking about? 
Joe, you're using reasoning. You're not, you're just supposed to take the scriptures on faith. That's what a cult leader tells you to do. Well, Jesus told me to take it on faith. No, he did not. No, he did not. You don't know that, do you? Why? Why don't you know that Jesus told you to take it on it is written to test it against the scriptures? Why don't you know that? Have you been reading your scriptures for yourself? Paul tells you to test every spirit against the word, against what is written. Why don't we? Because we've got to watch one of those football games. You have three hours. How did you choose to spend it? Well, Joe, I can read the word when I'm in eternity. Uh-huh. You're going to read it after you make it to heaven. Mm-hmm. How do you know you're going to get there? Well, I'm saved. Oh, what does that mean? Well, I've, I've accepted the Lord into my heart, and I've been baptized. I'm saved. Once saved, always saved. I'm good, Joe. Very good. Who told you that? My pastor did. Scripture doesn't say that. What? No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. How do you know? You don't read your Bible. Whoops. And no, it doesn't teach that. Scripture, scripture teaches something entirely different. Scripture teaches that you can walk away from your salvation. The world will say, oh, well, he was never really saved to begin with. Oh, how convenient. Exactly what a cult leader sounds like. Yeshua was not a cult leader. He said, reason, argue it out with Yahweh, wrestle with him, use reason, reason with his word, reason with him in his spirit, wrestle it out, work out your own salvation. Yeshua's disciples said the same thing, work it out. What do you think that means? Well, that's works, Joe. Part of those works is to wrestle with the understanding of the word. Conform yourself to it, not it to you. Now, that's something else. I don't change the way I understand Scripture to accommodate my sin. I know I'm sinning. I'm supposed to conform my behavior to the Scriptures. I seem to not be able to do that in a lot of areas. Anger is one of them. Ooh, baby, do I have a temper. I've gotten it under more control now than when I was younger. But as a friend of mine here likes to say from time to time, as a Marine, I'm nothing more than a glorified secretary. I make appointments. I arrange for people to meet their maker. He says that's a Marine's job. I wish I could do that job a lot more often than I do it. And that's not a disciple's heart. I'm not supposed to think that way. Anyway, John tells us about sin, right? What did Jesus tell us? <sighs> Jesus tells us to repent. What is repentance? 
I told you we'd get to this. This is this is a stumbling block for me. Repentance is not when you cry out or feel sorry or regret. Repentance is when you change. Lest ye repent, you shall never see the kingdom of Yahweh. I thought that's a works-based salvation. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? If I have to change the way I act, is that works? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I struggle with that. But I'm well aware of this passage. What does Scripture say about the purpose of the Holy Spirit? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside you. I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit inside you and cause you to live by my laws, respect my rulings, and obey them. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 through 27. And it's talking about the new covenant. And yet I've been told the law has been done away. Well, then I guess the law being done away is not the new covenant because that's not what Ezekiel was told. That's not what Jeremiah tells us when he talks about the new covenant. That's not what John tells us in the New Testament. law, Torah, Yahweh's teachings, my Torah, respect my rulings and obey them. And it says Torah. I looked it up. My Torah, my teachings. And this is, this is in the prophets. This isn't the books of Moses, the prophets. And lest I repent, change, change how? Live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. Or as Charles Spurgeon puts it, preach the gospel every day. If you have to, use your words. Same thing. Let the world see you living according to the teachings of your master. If you don't, he's not your master. You are. And that puts you smack in the crosshairs of the man of lawlessness. Well, no, Joe, that's the Antichrist. No, it isn't. That figure is not in your scriptures. Yes, he is. Show him to me. I know a lot of believers believe that. Show him to me in your Bible. I dare you. What's the man of perdition? That's any man. The man who believes in the Messiah shall be saved. Well, then that's just one person who will ever be saved. It's not what the scriptures are saying. How do you know? Read 2 Thessalonians 2 with neutral eyes. It talks about a great falling away, which tells us that you can lose your salvation. 
And it says, it will come when a person takes their seat, the seat of Yahweh, takes their place, seat in the place of Yahweh, in the seat of Yahweh, in his temple, and says to themselves that they are now El Elyon, they are God. Where is the temple today? In the heart of who? Well, in the heart of the pagan, Joe. No, in the heart of the believer. The temple is in the heart of those who believe, who call themselves by his name. It doesn't say it'll be a non-believer that does this. 2 Thessalonians 2 is telling you believers will do this. The great apostasy, and then goes right into the man who does this, is the Antichrist. That's the man of perdition. That's the man of destruction. Where do you think Paul got that idea? There will come a time when many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and healed in your name and did all these things in your name. Be gone from you. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness, sin. He never knew us. It's the same passage. Non-believers don't run around doing things in the name of the Messiah. He never knew them. Why? They did what they wanted to do their way. He's talking about believers. So is Paul. Why doesn't the church see this? Because of a man named Lacanza. We've traced that on this show before. There are people who have listened to me go through it, and they still believe in this single antichrist figure in the end times. The word is only in your scriptures four places. All four times, Paul says it's a spirit. There are many of them. And we have believers who will say, yeah, okay, cool, but they'll, it'll be one antichrist later, an incarnate. You can be possessed, but Satan can't be an incarnate person. Why? That took the act of the Holy Spirit to make God incarnate into the man, Yeshua. Satan doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is the concept not in the church? I don't want to get caught on this. It's not the point today. The point is, why doesn't the church know this? Bad teachers and a refusal to test what they're taught against the scriptures. You were taught how to read. You go back in time, it was because men and women wanted you to read your Bible for yourself so that you could break away from bad teachings, so that you didn't have to be captive to the state church. You could read God's word for yourself. That's where public schooling started. That's what the whole purpose was, to teach you to read your scriptures for yourself. You men and women have died for this. The Bible was translated into many languages so that you could read it in your language. Men and women have died for this, been burned at the stake and be beheaded, killed in all sorts of horrible ways, martyred for a right that we will not exercise. How is that any different than the soldiers who have bled their blood and given their lives so that we could exercise our freedom? And what do we do with it? We lay down and lick the hands of our new masters. We do that in the physical, spiritual, I mean, the fleshly world. I guess I shouldn't expect us to do any different in the spiritual. You're saved by grace. Yes, I got that. You should be led by Torah. I'm not taking a break today. 
got things I've got to do today to help other people in my world. I have other responsibilities today for family and friends. So I'm going to talk to you for just a few more minutes, and then we're going to wrap up early today. It'll give me time to upload the show and the podcast before I have to leave and go do the rest of my chores. Read your scriptures for yourself. Make time. Turn it into a habit. Ask why. There's a difference between study and reading. When you're reading, when something jumps out at you, you found something to study. Now start studying. Or make a note to come back to study it. They are different. I was wanting to go over that yesterday. We'll have to move that class. Maybe Friday. Who am I to tell you to do these things? Did you see the first part of the show? I'm the perfect person to tell you to do these things so that you don't join me in my fate. Don't be like me. Don't run the risks I'm running. Don't make my mistakes. Don't be as foolish as I'm being, as stupid. Don't be willfully ignorant either. You have to know. Charlie, zap that person. Make them go away, please. I'm sorry, if you're not reading the board, you don't know who I'm talking about, but we have a dodo cup on the board and I'm tired of them. My patience is only so long and once you identify yourself as a hostile enemy of Yahweh's people, especially on a Wednesday show, you're gone. I don't care what they promise about behaving, Charlie, get rid of them, please. If AI were here, our real AI, this person would already been sniped. I don't, that's another thing, I don't shut down honest debate or discussion. But if you show me you're here only to disrupt, I will not tolerate it. Especially on a Wednesday. I won't. And the church shouldn't tolerate that either. That's part of what I'm trying to teach. Had a, I was part of a congregation. And they had this fall festival, their version of Halloween. Costumes and everything, all the trick-or-treat stuff, hand out candy, everything, all of the pagan trappings in a, it's okay now because we're calling it a fall festival. If I rename it, say, folks, it's not Yahweh. I know it's a bull, but I'm going to rename the bull of Baal. Yahweh, you're God who brought you out of Egypt. How'd that work? Moses hadn't pleaded with him. Yahweh was going to burn up the whole two and a half million of them. Start all over. Didn't work well. Told the woman at the Samaritan woman at the well it doesn't work. You guys don't even know what you worship. Okay. So this church turns the Halloween festival into Harvest Fest or whatever. And they've got this budget every year for outreach to the non believing world. And they spent over half of it $25,000, $26,000 for this party they threw every, every fall. And I got on to him one time. I said, why are you spending the money that way? Well, it's our greatest outreach. I said, you've done this three years now since I've 
been a teacher. Not one baptism because of this. Not one. Not one. Not one new member of the church. Not one. $75,000 in three years. All this effort. Not one. Why? Because we became the world to reach the world. Well, no wonder that didn't work. That church was joining the world, not the other way around. When I brought that up, I got yelled at, told to shut up. Eh. Counted it as a badge of honor. Hmm. That's one of the things I was made to do. I can do the John the Baptist thing and stand up in front of the king and point at him and say it is unlawful for you to have that wife. I got it. I can do that. That doesn't scare me. So who's going to chop your head off, Joe? Oh, well. So? Other things scare me. Scare me a lot more than that. Do they scare you? If they do, what are you going to do about it? To the person on the board that's causing trouble, there's plenty of free speech here. As long as you are civil. You come here to cause nothing but trouble, and you do so in an insulting way. That's not free speech. That's an attack. You know you haven't been civil. You can use civilized language and still be insulting and still be divisive. Yes, free speech with conditions. This person keeps, this is what I'm talking about. We're being uncivil in a way where they pretend this is a perfect example of what I'm getting at. If you're not reading the comments in Twitch, you won't know the conversation. So don't worry about it. Just if you're listening or if you're watching, just hold on, I'll explain. But the person has been constantly, you know, like, well, Jefferson can't be following the teachings of Jesus because he had slaves. This isn't, I, I ignored it at the time because this isn't the class. But right now, this is a perfect example. This person's given me the example. If this person were to be in this class more often, he would know that Jefferson inherited those slaves. He would know that Jefferson was tried several times to free them, but couldn't by law. The laws of Virginia prohibited it. They would also know that Jefferson died in debt so that he could fund his slaves. This person would also know that when he died, the slaves refused to leave Monticello because they loved Jefferson. So tell me, if he had slaves that loved him that much, how's that any different than the people in the Bible who owned slaves that loved them that much as well. This person knows nothing and comes here and, and makes these comments and then says, oh, well, you don't give free speech, and oh, how am I being uncivil? Well, first of all, you come into a place and you start talking about something that has nothing to do with the scriptures at this time. And you talk about something that's already been covered on this class. That right there tells you you're being uncivil. And when, when you've been addressed directly by me, live, you continue in your actions.
I'm going to wrap for today. I'll be here tomorrow. We'll have a normal show tomorrow. I'm supposed to have my internet back. We'll get it done. This was a show that almost didn't happen. And I, I knew it would not be a long one to begin with. But hopefully, and it is my prayer, that it was useful to at least one of you. To the extent that people love, I look at you and I marvel at you. You feel it as an emotion. And I don't. And Lord, help me. God, I hope she's not listening. But if she is, my wife will understand. I feel passion toward my wife. I feel desire. Yearning. But I don't feel love. Not the way everybody else around me always expresses it. When I look at my wife, the love I feel is gratitude, commitment, friendship. I feel a sense of duty, loyalty. I feel a bond between her that makes me put her first in everything that I think and do in my life. In this world, Yahweh first, but then her. For me, love is a conscious choice. It's a decision. I don't have these warm fuzzies that everybody I know always says they feel. I love my friends. I love this. I love that. If I ever tell you I love you, I mean it because I chose to love you. Now, if you know me, then you know what I'm saying. And I'm not saying it lightly, and it isn't a trivial matter for me. So when I watch all of you out there, and you have a feeling for people, I wish, I wish I could feel that. I don't. But do I tell you I love you? I do. Because I chose to be here today for you. I don't care that it was a hardship today. That's not the point. It's what I chose. So if you're with us any length of time, you'll get to understand if I do something that puts me out in the slightest way, for me, and that's an expression of love. That's why I tell you I'm broken. I know I'm broken. I know like a friend of mine says, I'm a sociopath. I don't feel emotions the way you do. I have them. Don't get me wrong. Not the way you do. And I envy you. I wish I could feel it. I wish I knew what it was like. But I don't. I've been accused of being emotionless in a lot of ways. About the only emotions I really feel are anger. But at the same time, I feel something that it's not like anger. I guess it's an emotion. I don't know. But it's more intellectual. It's, it's more an act of will. And I feel a commitment and a duty, a sense of responsibility to the audience, to my wife, to my friends, to those whom I've chosen to love.
I feel that to Yahweh and to the Messiah. So when I'm rebellious to him, I know I've failed him. When I don't get the things done that I know my wife wants done, I know I failed her. If I don't get this show on the air when I could have, I know I failed you. There's times with my customers in my business, if I don't get their order shipped out today because I was lazy and I could have done it, I failed my customer. The net result is I don't have a very high opinion of Joe. I don't like that guy at all. Don't be Joe. Just cling to Yahweh and his son, the Messiah. Cling to his word. Conform to that. Don't worry about the world. Test everything for yourself. If there's one area where we should be selfish, it's in that. Making sure that we're working out our salvation properly. The way he wants us to. That's one area where we should be selfish, self-centered. Because that requires a conscious choice and decision. And you have to choose him and his ways to do that. And if you know your scriptures, that's the love and devotion Yahweh's after. All right, I'm going to wrap today. Love you. I do. Even our dodo cop. Hopefully this individual will have a change of heart. If not, I will sick the AI on him as soon as she gets back. Y'all take care of yourselves. Stay safe. I'm not going to do a long sign-off today. I'm just going to thank you for being here. Pray and hope that I helped in some way. These are those days that take a lot out of me. I don't like them. Most of it was not me speaking, but that's up to you to decide whether or not you believe it. We'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully Charlie will be back. Y'all stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye.